0: Chapter 13. I do want to let you know this Wednesday night I'll be in Valdosta and I'll be ministering here uh, Wednesday night um, here at the church here. And um, but we're going to have a whole bunch of people here. I just want to let you know because all the youth from Saint Augustine are in Coffee County. They're in Coffee County at General Coffee County State Park. We're doing a um, uh, our youth pastors. They put together a a youth. You know, summer camp, Pastor Marcus actually after here, he's going to go over there and take the first few nights and do worship for them, because who normally does our praise and worship in our youth, they're on vacation for a couple of days, and then they'll come back up on Wednesday. So they're going to be doing an outreach, as you know, um, here for the church. They're going to be going out to the uh, McKee Park, and they're going to be doing some dramas and different things and inviting people to church. So we're going to come up and uh, do service here. I think we've got about 30-something, maybe close to 40 that went to camp, so it'll be filled house, it would be packed out, it would be fun. So I want to encourage you to be here on Wednesday night, and we'll do a little bit different uh, than what we normally do on the Wednesday night as far as the Bible study, because, you know, I'm going to take some time to minister to the youth. Uh, but, you know, uh, I was a youth pastor for some years, and um, it was fun. And so we'll have a good time, you know, ministering to them, but then, it, you know, you always get something yourself. Amen? So definitely don't stay home because you think a bunch of youth are here. It's fun to be around youth. Amen, okay? So I want to encourage you to be here. 7.30, No, right? What time are we? 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, 7.30 down in St. Augustine. All right, in Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 17, let's look at this together. Now I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It'll be a little bit different than the New American Standard, uh, but we want to kind of go line by line. It says, Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. He said, go northward to uh, this town into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living are strong or weak. Few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Enter the land boldly and bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season of harvesting the first ripe grapes. Verse 21, so they went up and explored the land from the wilderness, from this place as far as this place near this place. Going uh, northward, they pa- northward, they passed first through this town and arrived at this one where this person, this person, and this person are descendants of, of Anak. Y'all will y'all follow me? Amen. <laughs> y'all understand where we're coming. Okay. He says, then this is the an ancient town of uh, Hebron, um, was founded seven years before the ancient city of Zoan. Verse 23. When they came to what is now known as the Valley of this place, they cut down a cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine going down to Publix, you know, or at Harvey Supermarket and and finding grapes that both of you are going to have to carry out on a stick? That's some big grapes. I mean, it's like grapefruit grapes. Okay. And so they did this thing, and it says, verse 25, After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the people of Israel in the wilderness. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and shown them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We arrived in the land you sent uh, us to see. It is indeed a magnificent country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is some of its fruit as proof. Verse 27 here. So look at it. it says, Thus he told them, We went into the land where you sent us, and certainly does flow with milk and honey, and, and this is its fruit. So they understood, because they have come out of Egypt. This is the nation of Israel, okay? And God has delivered them out of Egypt, because they were slaves there for 432 years. Why is God interested in the nation of Israel? Well, let's go back a little bit further in Genesis. A little bit further, we find out that God had made a covenant with a man named Abram. And he told Abram in Genesis chapter 12, he said, I'm going to cut covenant with you, and out of you, I'm going to make a a great nation. Okay? A great nation. God's concerned about national things, and he talks this way all the time. Why is he making covenant with Abram? Well, if we go a little bit further back in Genesis, we'll see that there was a man planted on the planet. And he came out of the dust of the earth. His name is Adam. And Adam, the Lord, breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living being. And he made Adam very specific in nature. Genesis 1.26 tells us how this nature was. He says, let us make God in our image according to our likeness. And let him do something. He had a purpose. There's a reason why God put Adam on the planet. He said, let him rule. Or have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over all the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and over all the earth. So God made man with this intent. It's after he made the whole planet. okay, And we know Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. He created the heavens and the earth, and he created it not to be uninhabited. Isaiah 45, verse 18. Okay? So he had a purpose. And in um, Psalms 115.16 it says, The highest heavens are the Lord, but the earth he has given... To man, we're going to answer a lot of questions tonight, okay? Because the Lord, in His unseen realm, created a seen realm called planet Earth. It's atmosphere and the universe, okay? And this is significant because people are walking around the planet right now asking, why am I here? What's my purpose? What's going on? Okay? You know, a lot of people have gone through thinking, you know, is there anything better than this? You know, when you start looking at stuff in the universe, you're thinking, wow, look how big this is in, c- in comparison to just us. You know, they even explore ideas like there's got to be other life forms on other planets. Is there other, uni- uh, you know, universes out there where there's planets, where people are on it? I mean, that's why sci-fi is so big. Okay? That's why the Star Wars series is so awesome. Okay? Uh, you know, that, we want to get out in space, space exploration, you know? Then we have all these alien beings, all right? Are you with me tonight? You are listening to what I say. <laughs> Amen. No, uh, but we're we're fascinated. Why? Because there's something about humanity that says there's got to be something significant about why I'm here. Now, some have bought into the lie uh, and the thought process is we live and die, and that's it. So, we'd make the best out of the world that you can. Okay. But God didn't just plant the planet for no purpose. Okay. He makes this uh, relationship with what who he calls his son, Adam, and Adam has now dominion over the planet, over earth. Genesis, chapter 1. It's been there the whole while, okay? He made all those days for a purpose, why? To put his man on it so that man would have dominion or rule over all creation. And he tells Adam, he says, Now, Adam, listen, you can eat of any tree in the garden, in this garden that I'm placing you. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it. For the day you eat of it, you'll surely die. So we ask this question. I ask this question often. If Adam had never eaten the fruit, where would he be living today? Because there's no death if you don't eat the fruit. Which puts a little mind shift with us because when we go to church and typically when we think about church, we think about getting right with God so we can go to heaven. Yet when God first made man, he had no desire for man to have to come to heaven. Because if Adam never eats fruit, he's never leaving the planet. There's no need for him. And you understand, he didn't have to because God showed up on the planet. Hallelujah. He would come in the cool of the day. Just like right now. Come on, let me help you. Right now, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've asked Him to come into your heart, if you said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, you rose from the grave, and I make you Lord of my life, you're my Savior, come into my heart and save me, you know, that's typically a prayer that people pray, then you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. You become born again. And I could not convince you that you can't talk to God. Can you talk to God if you're born again? Right now. Do you have to go to heaven? No. Why? Because you can hear Him now in this realm. So Adam didn't need to go to heaven because the Lord had given him the earth. And he was controlling or dominating and ruling over creation for his Father who lived in heaven. So God's original design was this. From the unseen realm, he created a seen realm in which he wanted to rule the unseen spirit of the man living in the scene of his body on the scene of the planet. And God never had any desire for man to have to leave. See, this answers Genesis chapter 5. Why in the world is Adam living 930 years? Why in the world is, that? what's his name, Methu Yes, 969 years. I mean, why do these people live so long? Well, it's because God never intended man to have to leave the planet to be with him. All they, had, they were created to be in the earth and have fellowship with him. But because sin began to run rampant, why? Because Adam did eat the fruit. Did he not? He ate the fruit, why? Come on, let's do a review. Because a serpent came into the garden. And deceived his wife, Eve. Amen? I'm going to make all the Sunday school lessons come alive tonight. Real quick for you, okay? I'm going to make them all come to life. And that serpent told Eve, said this, said, Eve, you can't eat of any tree in the garden, can you? She said, oh, no, 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 that ain't correct. We can eat of any tree in the garden. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil we can't eat. For the day we touch it or eat it, we'll die. She added touch. The Lord didn't say that. But she says this. And then the serpent says, you will surely not die okay now where did the serpent come from good answer good good question well the answer is found in isaiah chapter 14 because in an unseen realm in the realm of heaven where god lives there was a created uh cherubim by the name of lucifer that rebelled from god's kingdom He wanted to take over the throne. And in Isaiah 14, if you read it, he says, I will ascend my throne above the Most High. I will, I will, I will. And he was lifted up in pride. And Jesus recounts this occasion, because you understand Jesus is the Word. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus was there. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So when he hits the planet... Because all he wants to do is have God worship or bow down and submit to him. He wants the creator to submit to the created. But it didn't work. God put him out. Quick. Okay? Now he's on the planet and all of a sudden, lo and behold, he sees someone that looks a lot like God. Because again, Genesis one twenty six says, God created man in his image. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Adam hadn't sinned. He was blameless. He didn't even know what sin was. He wasn't separated from God. Because sin is just separation. Okay? It's being separated from God. It's disobedience to what God says. And so what happens is, is then the serpent came in, deceived Eve. She eats the fruit, gives to her husband. And he straight up disobeys what God had said. He ate the fruit. And guess what happens? God shows up in the cool of the day, which was his custom. Said, "Adam, where are you?" Adam said, um, "Well, you know, we heard you coming, and so we hid ourselves because we were uh, naked, naked. No, don't. We don't have no clothes." And he says, "Who said you didn't have any clothes on? Did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to? It wasn't good. It wasn't good." So here, then, the Lord says, "Adam, what's going on?" Adam said, "Was well, that wife you gave me?" Started pointing fingers. And so the wife followed the example of her husband when he says Eve what have you done? Well it was that serpent. Well then he gets to the serpent and he knows where he came from. He said, "Oh, okay." So then right then he begins to prophesy or speak forth a future event. He says, "Listen, from the seed from the woman a seed will come and you will bruise his heel but he will crush your head." Now, who was that seed? It's Jesus. Okay? So Adam lost something that day. Okay, what did he lose? Well, he didn't lose Christianity. He didn't lose religion. He lost the kingdom. He lost access to God. He lost that. He didn't fall from heaven, but he fell from dominion. This is what Adam lost. This is what the Bible's about. See, this Bible, and we'll go through it. This is a re- reason why I'm in here today, because I want you to understand. I, I, we'll get your faith to a, an easy level. The Bible is about a king, his kingdom, and his offspring. So when he gets up to Abram, he says, I need to make you a holy nation. He didn't say, I'm going to make you a great religious man. I'm going to bring a great religion in. He did not do this. He said, I need to cut covenant with you because I want to bring back my government rule in the earth. I want my kingdom to have access here again. See, when we get to Jesus, Isaiah chapter 9, put that one up there, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Is prophesied about Jesus that He would bring something, okay? Because all we ever hear about Jesus is that He died on the cross, and He did do this. Why? Because He had to. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Because when Adam is is uh, has no clothes on his wife, what does God do? He there's an animal that is killed so that they are covered. Well, sacrificing lambs and goats and all that stuff's good for a season, but there's someone who's going to come once and. all and pay the eternal price of all disobedience to the throne of God and it says this look in Isaiah 9 the prophet Isaiah prophesied about it he said for a child will be born to us a son will be given who is this child this is Jesus it says and the what the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God eternal father prince of peace verse 7 there will be no end to the increase of his what Man, and all the while we hear Christianity, and you think you're in a religion. When the truth is, this is about a government. That's all this is about. Which is going to make it simple if you'll understand the kingdom. But it can be difficult if you want to stay democratic. Okay. And so it says that there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David or over his what? His kingdom. To establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. He will what? He'll accomplish this. Now remember, there was a time that God oversaw the nation of Israel. And they got to a point at one point that they said, we don't want God as our king, we want a man. You know, all these other nations got a man as king. You'll find this in 1 Samuel. And 1 Samuel was like, I can't believe you're rejecting. I mean, what are you doing? So he goes to God about this and God said, don't worry about it. They've not rejected you, Samuel, but they've rejected me as, and he says it this way, as king. He said, we're going to give them a man. And you let them know what that man king is going to do to them. Okay? They got King Saul. After King Saul fell and the anointing was taken off him, God went looking for a man after his own heart. And his name was King David, hallelujah. Why? Because God's looking for people who want to do His will in the earth. And so He understands that man by nature don't, does not want to obey Him and want to submit to Him, so He's got to get a new nature in them. When you're born again, what happens? The old passes away, and behold, all things become new. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes inside you and bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Amen. Why is this? Because in God's kingdom, there's no illegal immigrants. You cannot smuggle your way in. You must be born of this nation. Paul said our citizenship is written in heaven. Now, let's look at this real quick, and we'll come back to Numbers just to let you see. Put this up there. Turn over to uh, John chapter 18. John chapter 18. Just to let you know that Jesus is king. And he's really coming about government stuff. Cause you know what? I, I, I challenge you. Take your Bible. Please take your Bible that hopefully you're reading all the time and go through the four gospels and see what Jesus preached about. The first message Jesus preaches in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's all he preached about. It's about 130 something times, I believe it is, or 113 times that Jesus mentions the kingdom. He preaches this everywhere. Everywhere he goes, he's talking about the kingdom. That's all he's talking about is the kingdom. What's he talking about? I've come and represent the government that eventually is going to take over the planet. That's what he's doing. He says, and you need to get with me because the word repent is not a religious word. It literally means this. Change your thinking side with my party. In the Greek, that's what it means. So he's saying, you need to change your thinking. You need to side with my party. Why does he say change your thinking? Because Jesus is saying... My daddy made this planet, and it's not like he originally made it. There's something else going on in the planet that, see, that the seen realm sees, but that'll deceive you. There's a more real truth in the unseen. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. He says, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are not seen are eternal. And so he's trying to get them to refocus on God's word that comes from his realm, and if you'll do that, you'll be changed. Well, who did the wise men come to see? After Jesus was born. A king. They came seeking a king. Amen. What did Jesus do in the realm of miracles? The same thing that that gave him, the same thing that Adam once had. Jesus has now on the planet called dominion over all the earth. He would take, listen now, he would take fish and multiply them. He said, Adam, let's make man in our image according to our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish. So no wonder Jesus can multiply fish. Right? What about the, the, the bread that he had? It's from grain. It comes from the earth, does it not? No wonder he can multiply these things. Remember that one time that Peter, there were some taxes they needed to pay, and Jesus told him, he said, now Peter, go fishing. And the first line you put in, a fish is going to grab hold of it, open its mouth, and there's going to be your tax money and mine. How could Jesus do this? Because he has dominion over fish. That simple. He would rebuke the winds and the waves, and they listened to him. Why? because that's associated with the earth, the planet, that God gave man dominion. And Jesus is all God but in the flesh, and he's also all man. He's operating as God had intended man to operate. You see this. He walks by one day in, Ma- in Mark's account, and he sees a fig tree that was supposed to bear fruit and, or you know, had the appearance of bearing fruit, even though it wasn't at season, and, and, and in an attempt to go get some fruit, looked at it and said, cursed it at its root and went on. The next morning, they woke up and came back through, and Peter recognizes, man, that tree has withered at its root. Well, why did it do that? It's of the earth. God has dominion over it. Do you see this? Amen. Why could Jesus heal people? Very simple. He has dominion over the earth. What are we made out of? In Genesis chapter 2, God formed man out of the dust of the... You know what? He said, from dust you came, dust you'll... So honestly, your body, your skin suit is just dirt. It's earth stuff. That's why Jesus could heal the leprosy. He could raise the dead. He could uh, cause the blind to see and the deaf to hear. Why? He had dominion over the earth. All of His miracles are, are, are associated with the earth. So here, John chapter 18, let's start in verse 33 real quick. Just to keep showing you that Jesus is the King. It says this, uh, Pilate, who is a governor, okay, um, and so he's a government man, all right? It says this, Pilate entered into the Peturium, uh, and I didn't pronounce that too well, but summoned Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Right? Jesus answered, are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? Which gives us implication that... You found out about me. Pilate answered. I'm, and he said, I, uh, "I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation." He didn't. He's called his nation and chief priests, chief priests that are associated with his nation, delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered. Now look what Jesus says. He says, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm." Well, listen. If he says he has a kingdom, then kingdom is just king domain. It's what he has rulership of. Do you understand this? Okay? Now, he has a kingdom of another realm because he's speaking from the God side. Though man has been given the earth, but man gave the earth over to the devil. That's why uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says the God of this world. So the enemy now has control of the planet, in one sense. Man, he ha- he's operating in authority and dominion, alright? And Jesus has come to do something about it. Remember the, um, the um, uh, temptations that Jesus went, underwent in, in Matthew chapter 4? Uh, the devil tempted him, and the Lord kept saying, It is written, it is written. And the last temptation he gave me, he took him up to a high pinnacle, and what did he show Jesus? All the what? He didn't show him religions. Because the devil knows this is about a kingdom. The devil knows this is about a government rule. Period. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and he said to Jesus, All these I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. Which is the same thing he wanted his dad to do that was in heaven was to submit to the devil, to submit to Satan. Well, what did Jesus say? No, you will love the Lord your God only. Only him only. And sent that devil down the road. Hallelujah. But notice he tempted him with kingdoms. So Jesus tells him, my kingdom is not of this realm. So what's Pilate say next? Verse 37. Therefore Pilate says, so you are a king. Jesus answered. Look what he answered. You say correctly that I am a what? Kings are government people. You need to understand this. Kings are government people. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So in essence, Jesus came back to restore dominion to man. That's what he did. That's why when he died and rose from the grave, he made this name. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Paul, later on, talking about him in one of his letters, he said, all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and earth and under the earth. There's not a place that he doesn't have authority and dominion. Now, ultimately, ultimately, he's going to show back up on the planet. Remember in Acts, he was taken off in a cloud, and the angel said, now listen, he'll return the way he left. And we're all waiting for his return. But what's he bringing back with him? He's bringing the kingdom. He's going to do some things. He's going to take care of some things, okay? And ultimately, if you read Revelation, I believe it's 21 or 22, it says Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven. He's going to create a new heaven and a new... Why are we getting a whole new planet if all we're going to do is live in heaven the rest of our lives? No, God's going to restore things back to its original intent. So what's important for us to understand about this that we've communicated here is that God is a king. And he has a kingdom, and his kingdom is full of kings. Have you heard this statement before? He's the king of... Well, who are those kings? It's us. He's the Lord of... Who are those lords? We are. And the Bible tells us in order to be born again, because Jesus only mentioned this one time in John chapter 3, to a a religious man by the name of Nicodemus, somewhere between 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. He said... Because he said, man, he said, Jesus, he said, Rabbi, called him teacher, he said, it's obvious that you're from the Father because all the miracles you do. And Jesus said, unless a man's born again, he will not enter the kingdom. What's he saying? He says, listen, you can't smuggle your way in. You can't buy your way into this nation. You must be born of this nation. How are you born again? You call on the name of Jesus. Right? It says that if we believe with our heart, what? that he died and rose from the grave, and confessed with our mouth that Jesus Christ is, is Lord. That word Lord is not a religious word. It means owner of property. Lord is a government title. You know, over in England, they have dukes and earls and right. lords. The word Lord means supreme in authority. Well, have we not read in the word where it says we've been bought with a price? We're not our own. Now, this is tough in a democratic society. You know why? Because we want to do what we want to do. That's tough. Because, you know, we pick and choose what we like about our government and their positions and their stance. And, you know, we determine which party we want to get with. And you understand, you're still doing the same thing with the kingdom in the realm of determining which party. You're either going to be with the domain of darkness or the kingdom. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're submitting to one or the other. Because if you do not do what God's saying, then you are submitting to the enemy. Because the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1 that we were transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. When did that take place? When we got born again. And so he tells us, I believe it's in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, verify this. Luke 17, 21, he says the the kingdom is not here or there, but it's within us. So uh, right now we're operating by the spirit of the kingdom, and the spirit of the kingdom is able to get things to take place in the planet for us. Eventually, there's going to be a global takeover. Period. Jesus will come back and take over the whole planet. That will take place. But today, we're taking territory for him. How do we take territory? We communicate and we preach the gospel of the kingdom. And when we preach the gospel of the kingdom, this person that's not born again, which is in a skin suit, which is land, when they get born again, we take that territory. Hey, was that right? Luke seventeen twenty one. Right, right. So it's not here or there. You, you're not seeing it physically because it's not time for it to be seen physically but it is within us, it's by the Spirit. Now, if we act on it, we can cause things to produce, or His Word to produce. But you're not going to see a castle. You see what I'm saying? That's what He was saying. He says, you're not going to see this fortified city. I'm not here to establish that at this point. What I'm here to establish is the authority reign. Okay? The authority reign of the kingdom. Okay? So... Now, let's go back over here to Numbers, where I was at. Where we brought at this point is we have a nation that God has said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt and take you into the promised land, a land flown with milk and honey. I want you to go in and possess it. I have given you the land. The Lord said this. So they went in, and it's just as God said. Okay? I mean, they've been in Egypt for 432 years as slaves. The Lord's heard their cry. He sent his man Moses in to deliver them. Moses delivers them out. They've journeyed a little bit through the wilderness. They've gotten to the Jordan River. And and some people have come to Moses and said, Hey, let us go in and spy this place out and see how we're going to take it since the Lord's given it to us. So he says, Okay, sounds like a good idea. Let's pick one person from each tribe. Y'all go in and spy it out. They did it for 40 days. They come back and they bear witness that it's exactly as God said. But here comes the problem. Let's look at this. Verse 28. So they say, here's the proof. It's a magnificent country. It is, as God said, a land flowing with mick and honey. Verse 28. But the people living are powerful. And their cities and towns are fortified and very large. We saw the descendants of Anak uh, who were living there. These were giants. Okay? And then all these other people here in Verse 29. Verse 30, but Caleb tried to encourage the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. They are, they, um, but the other uh, men who had explored the land uh, with him answered, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So here, when you understand the kingdom, when God said something, that's it. It will work. There's nothing God says that will return unto him void. We've got to find out what God's saying. We've got to learn what he's saying. Because if we act on what he says, we can do it. Now, Caleb said, I'll believe God. We can take this. I don't care how big these giants are. They'll fall just like Egypt fell. But the other people, because they hadn't changed their thinking, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. They still saw themselves as insignificant, as slaves, even though they were a free nation and absolutely wealthy because they took all the spoils of Egypt. They would not go into this place because they saw themselves for less. They looked at the scene realm of what they saw and put more weight on what they saw than what they heard God say. And I'm telling you right now, the Bible tells us to live by faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing from the... Word of God, if we don't know the Word, no wonder we live defeated lives. No wonder if there's struggles in our lives. Why Because we really don't know what God's saying about stuff. but when we find out what God's saying about us, we need to pick up the cry of Caleb and say we are we can certainly conquer it. Amen, we can certainly conquer this thing, and so we want to have that kind of uh um of faith associated with us well in verse thirty two it says they spread a discouraging report among the uh the land of the Israelites and the land he says the land we uh, explore will swallow up any who go uh, to live there. Now God never said that. This is what they're saying. All the people saw uh, we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. We felt like grasshoppers next to them. That's what we looked like to them. Well, they didn't ask them because they're spies. They're not going over in the spy and go, hey, "Come here. We're kind of spying out your land to take it over. What do you think about me?" They're not asking that question. So that's not even accurate. They are delivering an assumption as if it's truth. You see people do that? You're having a conversation with someone or you get into something with somebody, you know, and it's not real good. And you go over and you're standing alone. Next thing you know, you see that person talking to someone else and immediately you start having this thought. They're talking about me. And then you go to your friends so, and man, they're talking about me. Look at them. They're talking about me right now. And you're carrying a whole conversation for the rest of the week about what someone's doing that you don't even know is fact. I mean, most people, if you listen, tomorrow when you go to work, listen to what people are saying. Most of them are talking assumptions, not even truth. If you start asking, say, where did you hear that from? Were you there? Did you actually see that? Did you see that take place? I mean, you will jack them up. They'd be like, "Uh, uh, well, I mean, I just, no, you're living in the land of assumption. You are painting a whole picture that is based in a non-reality. You see this? God said that they could take it. But these people said, "We can't. They're too big. They're too strong. We're going to die. We can't go in there. It's no way." You see this? Listen, James Dobson, uh, who's the founder of Focus on the Family, he said this: "We are not what we are. We are not even what others think we are. We are what we think others think we are." So many people live like that. They don't. They don't. They aren't what they think they are. They're not even what others actually think they are. They are acting like what they think others think they are. They, most people live in identity based upon the assumption of what others... This is why Facebook's so big. Because you can hide behind it. You can put a 10-year ten ten year, uh, picture that's 10 years old. You understand? Or, you know, one of them glamour shots. You see what I'm saying? I mean, you can say stuff and hide behind. You can mask yourself. It's huge. It's huge. Man, that's why I like Skype. Man, let me see your face today. Let me talk to you. Let me hear your voice. Let me see your voice infl- I mean, Let me hear how your tone of voice is when you're talking to me. I mean, I, 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 I scarcely do a bunch of emails or things because you, you say something, people take it wrong. They just all of a sudden read all between lines, and I only wrote one line. There's not even a line to be in between. And I mean, they take up a whole attitude. Well, why? Because they're putting their attitude upon what I'm saying. You know? Somebody say something, you send back an email, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. Oh, okay. Oh, it's fine. You see what he said? Pastor said it's fine. Fine then. No, see, I mean it get all attitude and I'm just it's fine. It's no problem. It's it's okay. Right? People get like that. Man, I want to talk to you. I want to look at you and say, Hey, it's okay, it's fine. I want you to see my face, man. I don't want you to miscommunicate, because if I see you start locking up in your mind, then I'll say, whoa, whoa, whoa you all right? Let's talk. What are, you, what's, what are you thinking right now? Amen. Because people operate this way, and we can't, if we're going to live successful in the kingdom, to follow God at His word, we can't assume that the seen realm is more reality than the unseen. We can't assume and ever get in a position where we think God's word can't overcome any circumstance. That's why when we read that uh, scripture of faith in Mark chapter 11, it says, you know, if we say to the mountain, be thou cast into the sea, and do not doubt in our heart, but believe what we say, it'll be done. Amen. What he's trying to do is get us focused on this fact that God's word is truth. Why? Because where the word of the king is, there's Ecclesiastes chapter eight and verse four, okay. And the Lord's operating as a king. The Lord's already whipped one nation called e- Egypt, and you know as well as I do that later on, forty years after this stiff neck, stiff necked, stubborn, rebellious generation dies in the wilderness, they get into the promised land. They go and send spies to Jericho, and the uh, prostitute Rahab holds them in. And you know what she says? She says. We have been afraid of you. So the reality of this story is, is that all the while when they're saying we're grasshoppers and they're too strong for us, Jericho's saying, there's that nation of Israel. That's the ones who destroyed Egypt. Oh my gosh, and the Bible says that they were, t- they were shut up tight. They weren't letting anything in, going out. Why? Because they were afraid of that nation. They've heard the Lord had already sent testimony and already sent reports to the nations to get them in fear and, and was going to bring his mighty hand to overcome. And did they overcome Jericho? But had to wait a long time because others who would not believe God at his word. No, we can certainly conquer it. Okay? Verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 goes on and says Then all the people began weeping loud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great choir of complaint against Moses and Aaron. They're going to blame them. We wish we had died in Egypt. I mean, now they want to go back and be slaves. Even here in the wilderness, they wailed. Why has the Lord taken us to this country only to have us die in battle? God never said that. Have you heard people say that? Well, you know, I don't know why the Lord put that on me. The Lord ain't put nothing on you. Are you obeying Him at His word? Amen. I mean, people get sickness and disease. So I don't know why the Lord's trying to do this to me. You know, the Lord's just trying to teach me something. And you know, that's always a funny statement when people say that about sickness and disease. Because they're taking prescription drugs at the time trying to get healed. If the Lord put it on you to teach you something, then why are you trying to get well? Your act of getting well is in rebellion then. If it's true that He put sickness on you to teach you something. Why are you taking it into your hands to heal yourself if God wanted you that way? Since we're thinking, let's think. I mean, you run across people like this. Well, you know, the Lord's just trying to, you know, I got in that wreck because the Lord wanted to slow me down. I know my God would say, slow down. He don't have to get me in a wreck to do that. I guarantee he probably was warning you, you need to slow down, you need to slow down, you need to slow down. I told you you need to slow down. You just chose to listen in the wreck instead of the last uh, five um, red lights that you blew through, so to speak. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? Because the Holy Ghost is talking to us. And so now they're all up in an uproar. They're saying God wants to kill them, you know. He they say our wives and little ones will be carried off as slaves. Let's get out of here and return to e, uh, Egypt. Verse 4, they plot among themselves. Let's choose a new leader. And go back. <laughs> Amen. I mean, that won the whole rebellion right there, man. We're going to find somebody that agrees with what we say. Now we've gotten into American society. Let's get someone that agrees with us. Listen, you know who I vote for? I vote for those who are... Most in line with what God says. Period. That's who I want to vote for. Who's most in line with the principles and the Word of God? That's who I want to see there. Because they're going to have the greatest advantage to actually help our nation. Because they can actually tap into the wisdom of of God. And you understand, God uses people all the time in government. Daniel was in a government, and though he wasn't, you know, the king of that government, Nebuchadnezzar was, but God used him mightily. Joseph was in a government. God used him mightily. I mean, he was the one that helped store up all the wealth for Egypt that later on took it when they left. I mean, God used people in government. That's not a problem. Nehemiah was a, uh, um, uh, what was he, uh, Pastor Brian? Nehemiah was a cupbearer? He was a cupbearer. And was sipping the drinks before he gave it to the king. So if there was poison, he would die. But he had such favor with the king that he went back to rebuild uh, the walls in Jerusalem. And became governor of that place. Hallelujah. Okay? So we want to follow God at His word. Well, it says this, verse 5, Then Moses and Aaron fell to their face on the ground before the people. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, uh tore their clothing i mean that's all in uproar uh they said to the community the land we explored is a wonderful land verse eight it is uh, it, and if the lord is pleased with us he will bring us safe to, bring us safely into the land and give it to us it is a rich in land flowing with milk and honey he will give it to us verse nine do not rebel against the lord do not be afraid of the people of the land they are only helpless prey to us they have no protection But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. I'm telling you, when you stand for truth, people come against you. There's no doubt about that. But the point of this whole thing in context is this. God is the ruler. And if we'll submit to his word, there's nothing we can't conquer. We can have that battle cry. We can certainly conquer it. It doesn't matter. You understand? Now, this example, there's some same examples of faith applies to us today in believing what God said about us and, and not uh, what our circumstances are saying or looking like. Again, we had been praying for rain. Did we get rain? Now, I'm telling you, we got rain. You say, well, Pastor Earl, that's just a coincidence. No, we have dominion over the earth. I mean, it's rained so much in Florida, I'm almost tired of the rain in Florida because I have a Jeep and I want to take the top off. And at my house, I do not have a garage. You know, we, they closed that in before I bought it, and so I don't have nothing to cover my Jeep with except my tops. And I gave my daughter my soft top that goes down pretty quick. I got a bikini top on it and a little wrap around. I got three pieces I got to deal with, so it takes a little more time. So it's a lot of times, it's just easier to leave the top on than it is to take it off. And if there's rain coming all the time since we've been praying for it, I'm having to leave the top on all the time. <sighs> I'm serious. All right, I'm going to just continue to believe with you. Hallelujah. That's why I didn't bring my Jeep up here, because I didn't want to hit the rain. When we hit rain, coming all the way. But you understand, we can stand, and we can believe what God says. He gave us dominion. If Christ is Lord of your life, He's given us authority and dominion again, and we can walk in that dominion. Because you understand this, if your livelihood, if the purpose God has you in the earth, requires that you need rain, then you can stand for it. Now, my personal life, I don't really have to have rain per se because I work in a building. You understand? I'm not big, I'm not growing any crops. I'm not expecting crops to come in. So, in one sense, I don't have to have that rain. Though rain can naturally come, you know, because I enjoy the hot days. I go to the beach, man, jump in the water. I have no problem with that. But if you're a summit, then you have a right to stand and declare and call that rain in. Amen. Because when you do the principles of God, then they'll apply to your life and those things will work every time. I mean, when he talked about tithing, he said this, he said, he said, I, I, I dare you. And it's in context to this scripture right here. He says, listen. He said, you give the tithe. He said, test me in this. And that word test is the same Hebrew word that is this word used with the Israelites when they kept testing the Lord this way. They would say, oh my gosh, three days after they got out of Egypt. Oh my gosh, I'm so thirsty. Oh, can we go back to Egypt? Oh, we're going to be out here and die of thirst. So what did God do? He said, Moses... Right, They got to that little bitter place, he threw that stick in it, it became sweet, and they drank the water. A few days later, we're so hungry, how are we going to die? What? And so they got some manna. And Then they got tired of manna, and what were they doing? We want some meat, right? Well, their ha- attitude in that was really this. Well, okay, so he got us water, Lord, you got us water. Well, can you get us some food? That's what he means by he tested the Lord. And so the Lord gave them bread. And then he goes, okay, 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 fine, you can do that. Well, what about this? Can you get us some meat then? They, they had an attitude. Okay, let's see if you can do this. And the Lord said we are to have that attitude when it comes to giving the tithe. He said, test me in this and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven. And that is not a window that pours money down. That is actually a water sleuth, which was because it was an a agricultural society. That means see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. And you understand it's a blessing when water starts hitting the crops. You know this. And it hits the ground because you can't control that in one sense. You have to allow God to get involved in that thing. And now we can, by faith, begin to stand and say, Lord, I'm on your principles. I know those windows can open. I know we need that. And we can call it this way, and it will come. He will turn things. I tell you right now, I've done it time and time again in the state of Florida. Whenever hurricane season's in, and it's in right now, whenever one starts coming, and that's what I like about hurricanes, because they're somewhere. And they do their little predicted track, okay? And man, when I see any of them getting close to our coast, I'll tell you right now, I speak against it. I say, in the name of Jesus, you're not going to come to this part because God's given us dominion over this city and in this town and in this county. And you're not going to come and hit a direct hit here. You're not going to take finances out of this county. You're not going to do this in the name of Jesus. And we begin to speak to the winds and the waves. We begin to speak to the storm. And I tell you, time and time again, I've gotten the track, and I, I track it every day then. Why? Because I know my faith works. And I just watch it come off a different course every time. Every time it comes off, we since uh, we have not had a direct hit since I mean Saint Augustine hadn't had a direct hit since 1964, okay. But when we moved in, we had four hurricanes back in 2003, 2004, Charlie and all that stuff. Yeah, all those, but none of them was directly on our. And I had multiple ones. They were supposed to come. You remember that, don't you? They didn't come. We were standing in faith. I mean, if that means I got to stand on the beach and say, peace be still. Listen, it sounds crazy, but listen, faith's crazy to the scene because faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Faith is believing, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. Do you see this? And as a result of that, man, we call that thing in, and God calls it. It's His word; it's not ours. It's His word. He's able to bring it to pass. Now, let me show you a couple other scriptures real quick. Romans chapter nine, verse thirty-three. Hallelujah. Romans nine thirty-three says, "Just as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. He who believes in Him will not be disappointed." Do you understand? We'll never be disappointed if we really believe God. If we will actually get in the agenda of God and His will, we're not going to be disappointed. I'm telling you, I have never been disappointed in following God. Have I had trials and tribulations? Sure, but I'm telling you right now, I've come through them all. I've come through every one of them. I'm healthy, I'm whole, I'm following God, I'm in His will, I'm doing what He's asked me to do. You know, I follow according to His principles. I no longer live, like Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but the life I live now, I live by faith in this flesh. In this skin suit, I'm believing Him and His Word. Amen. We can do this, and we'll never be disappointed. Look at Romans 10:11. says this, For the Scripture says, Whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. I'm telling you, you won't. If they would have listened to Joshua and Caleb, would they have gotten into the Promised Land? Would they have conquered it? Yes. Yes. Romans 8, 2 says this, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Which means now we have life in us because we're children of God and we have the mind of Christ. Amen. We are, not, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are no longer to be conformed to this world and its way of doing things. Listen, we literally are in a government that's in an unseen realm that we have a king. This is no different than when I travel out of the country and some of y'all travel to yourself, you hold a passport. And when you get in that other nation, they look at you and they know you're... Man, they know I'm not of their culture, the the places I've been. I ain't even close to looking like it. They know that's a foreigner. when I went to India, oh my gosh, man. I mean, I couldn't even walk down the streets. I mean, I'm white as white can be. And I even try to tan, you know, get darker. But, man, they're following me. I'm dressed different. They know I'm not of this culture. So they see me as an American and they associate that with money and they're running me down man they want to sign my shoes i mean they want to do all kinds of stuff and i you just can't help everybody you just can't do it you know and you see poverty everywhere i mean it's just everywhere but they're not it's not because they don't have resources my gosh india is one of the wealthiest nations it's just that their religion keeps them from using their resources all these cows that they could be they can have a great meat market man i'm telling you right now strong meat market okay no, not touching those. Well, why? It's because they're believing in a religion. They're 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 worshiping gods that aren't gods, they're just imaginations of men that do nothing. They're all over the place. Listen, we serve a king that's alive. And his word doesn't fail. His word's more sure than our president's word. His word's more sure than any man's word, because he's not a man that he should lie. This is what we serve when I'm in those other nations, look, i got a passport. And man, if I get in trouble, if I got in trouble, I don't get in trouble. Um, But if I got, I can run to the embassy. And you know, when you hit the embassy, you're in another nation, but you're on your nation's soil. And Jesus prayed this prayer in John chapter 7. He said, Lord, they're not of this world as I'm not of this world. And I'm not asking you to take them out, but to protect them from the evil one. What did he want to protect us from? From the faults that the evil one brings to us to try to get us not to obey and submit to the will of God. If we'll submit to the will of God, your whole life would change. Listen, if if you feel like your life in any way, shape, or form has some level of chaos, I bet I could, if I took the time with you, pinpoint it back to a place that you're not submitting. Period. I bet I can take it back to a place you're not submitting. Now, I'm not going to say if you live in total submission, that you won't have issues because things will come to, against you but you'll be in peace during that times you'll walk in peace you'll know this is listen we can certainly conquer this obstacle we will overcome this too shall pass amen listen i'll give you this testimony and i'll close just talking about pulling in the unseen whenever we um, moved down in st augustine we were in a middle school first when we planted at st uh, anchor faith church there God spoke to me, and he said, it's time to get out of the middle school. You need to go and get into a building where you can um, have more services. You can kind of control when you open and close. And so we went looking, and we found one. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was new to things, okay? And um, so I went and talked to a gentleman, and what he said he the building was, I took it. I didn't even negotiate. Didn't know I could do that. I, I hate yard sales, I'll be honest with you. I mean, if it says 50 cent, man, why am I going to go? Will you take 25? I, man, I'll give you the 50 cent. Yeah, I'm already getting reduced. Yeah, I don't haggle. I'm not like that. That's why I don't go buying cars. I mean, I'm just, man, salesman. I, it's got like sucker on the front. I mean, I'm pretty good at just saying no now. I don't even get in conversations. The last vehicle I bought that I've actually paid off my Tahoe, I went on there and I said, listen, this is what I'll pay. And I'm not going to stay here for you to figure it out. I've got things to do. You can call me. And I left. And he called and says, we'll do it at that price. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll have to finance this one. That's before I, uh, you know, got delivered from a few things. And um, I said, okay. I said, well, see if you can get me financed. He called back. We can do it. Okay. I said, well, I'll come by and sign the paper." I wasn't. Now, most people go to dealerships for quite a long time. I was there 30 minutes tops. And the only reason I was there so long is because I was waiting for them to detail my vehicle. Because I, I, I can't get into that stuff, man. But I went to this guy, and he said, listen, uh, he said it's $10,000. I mean, we were, St. Augustine was blowing us before we really were having some uh, issues with the housing market, the way it changed. And so 10000 a month, 10000 for 10000 square feet, pretty much. And so, okay, I said, yeah, we'll do it. And so we got into it. Now, we were paying 2000 a month. That's it. And that was $2,000 that included electric, water, toilet paper, paper towels. Then I went to 10000 a month, and I had to start paying my own electric bill, my own water bill, my own electricity, my own toilet paper. Man, people go through toilet paper. I didn't realize that until I had to start buying it all the time. Paper towels, all that stuff. And we got on that thing, and, and, and we went. I mean, and we had momentum. My gosh, we had momentum coming in. And then the county came and said we couldn't be there. It was a huge mess. Well, it was an attack, is what it was. In fact, the Wednesday night before we left the school, I prophesied that we would have some challenges. I didn't realize it would happen the next day. And, but because I had, the next day when they came and said, You can't be here, and I'm thinking, I'm already out of school. I got to be able to be here. I've already called, and you said I was on, but now you're telling me I'm not. I said, That's, I said You know what? That's no problem. And this guy was shocked at me he says you're not mad at me you're not going to get mad i said sir you're just doing your job man you you're holding the badge man you're the inspector not a problem who do i need to talk to that's what i need to know so he gave me a name so i went down i said so tell me what's going on so i said can i see that can you give me this paperwork that says that i'm not and so sure, she did and so i sent it to my attorney and my attorney says oh that's an illegal zoning they they have exempted you. They have there's a federal law called the RLU uh, uh, RLUIPA that allows you that they can't zone for a nonprofit business and exclude you if you are a nonprofit uh, similar. And they had a fraternal order. You know, Elks Lodge could be there. Well, if Elks Lodge can be there, then I can be there. And so I went back and I said, well, listen, well that's how we've always interpreted it thinking, dude, I've got the lawyer on this thing, man. But you know what? Never back down. At that point, I said, what am I supposed to do? They're saying they won't. He says, well, you can decide. You can stay. Because legally, they can't do anything. But you understand, they can try to throw you in jail. Okay. And you know what I did? I stayed. I went back and I said, this is not right. I can be here. And I know this. This is illegal. I meet the spirit and intent. I may not be in your list, and you may have always interpreted it that way, but you shouldn't interpret it that way because if it's not in the list, I meet the spirit and intent. And besides that, you've got uh, another one in here. Here's the paperwork for the federal law that's going to supersede your state law, and I can be here. Well, then they wanted me to do a, uh, a whole other process that would cost me money. Eh? And I stood before the county commissioner and I said, I'm not. I said, I don't believe that I should pay to get this uh, modification on this thing because I can be there anyway. And the attorneys for the county started working for me. Started siding with me. Well, I had favor. Why? There was a, a, but I heard God say, be there. Well, so we finally get there. But this whole issue caused our momentum. Nobody wants to come to a church where there's trials and tribulations happening at that time. Okay. Well, if people aren't coming, then the additional revenue that comes through tithe and offering that you're just believing for anyway isn't showing up either. So guess what took place? going not take a brain surgeon, I'm sure. We were struggling paying rent. I got to a point where I owed $68,000 in rent. Yeah, but I was always there. I'd go with my boy. We'd meet, and I said, "Listen, we're gonna get this thing." Got a letter, and said, "Man, you're gonna have ten days." So we went and said, "Look." look. He said, "Well, we got to do something." He says, "You know," he goes, "Normally at three months, man, I'm already there." He said, "But you know, uh, you know, I just don't want to get become such a big hole that you can't dig it out." And I said, "Lord, you see this? Something's got to turn. Something's got to turn." He said, "If you can," he said, "Now listen to this. Now this doesn't even make sense, does it?" The the, the landlord said this. He said. If you can get me eighteen thousand dollars for the end of the year and get it down to just fifty, I'll reduce your rent monthly. He gonna reduce my rent. I said, okay, we'll believe for that. And within six weeks, we got an extra eighteen thousand dollars. Got it down to fifty. Within three months, we paid another ten. Within another, we paid another ten. Then we paid another five. Now we got it down to twenty five. And then, it, and it wasn't until the next year, October. The next year someone came and gave me a check for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. I paid that off and they were happy, and I started hiring some staff. Amen. Why? Because we were called to never missed the a service there. There was only one time we met outside the building. Because fire didn't come to let us be in the very back. We had to go from our 10,000 down to 36, though we still had it. We just got meat in it because we had to get some building code things taken care of. Okay? But did we come through? Sure did. You know what? I know there's plenty of people that can fold and cave. You know what? I said, God said we'll be here. We're not going to leave. Something's going to change. And it did. That's why I'm excited about what we're doing here in Valdosta. Because I'm going to tell you right now, This is a growing church. This church is going to do something great for the kingdom in this city. Amen. And we want to pray for our youth that are going to be over in uh, McKee Park and going to be evangelizing, that it's going to draw people to come here. Amen. And we have wisdom in continuing to negotiate what we need to do here. Man, if i got to find another building, I'll find one, because I can get people here in a dime to remodel and do all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's no problem for us. Why? Because we're in this city, we're going to take this city, and we're going to preach this kingdom. Amen? Do you believe that? We can certainly conquer. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you.